The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week for episode 138. Happy 4th of July weekend, everybody, or should I say, happy end of 4th of July weekend. Who's not ready to go back to work? This guy's not. I love the 4th of July. Um, I also refer to the 4th of July as the one day a year where my dog Molly gets to sleep in the bed with us that night. Normally, Molly sleeps in a crate. Don't send me emails saying I'm a monster. She likes sleeping in the crate at night. It keeps her secure. It keeps her safe. Every once in a while, we'll let her sleep in the room with us if we're just feeling like that's where she needs to be. But there's only one day a year, one day a year, where Molly, the Break the Business Golden Retriever, gets to actually sleep in the bed with Mommy and Daddy, and that is the night of the 4th of July. Because like many canines, those damn fireworks scare the ever-living hell out of my dog, and if she sleeps anywhere other than right next to us in bed while shaking and shivering, she's just not going to be able to make it through the night. She needs to be with us. We need to be holding her, and we just get through that night together, and it's rough. And look, I love America, and I get that we have to celebrate this fine country's birth by blowing things up, and that's fine. It's just a rough holiday for the dogs, and we just have to help the dogs get through it. That's all. I want to make this one reasonable reform when it comes to the 4th of July, and I know I'm going to sound so unpatriotic when I say this, but I think this is a reasonable compromise. Can we pick a time, the night of the 4th of July, when we just say, boom, right here, no more fireworks? Because I have neighbors who don't, who just don't know how to knock off that firework crap. Two, three, four in the morning, still, oh, just throughout the night into the wee hours of the morning, and nobody gets to sleep, and my dog still keeps freaking out, and it's a mess. And so can we just, can I come up? Can I propose a reasonable reform to when we all have to stop shooting off fireworks on the 4th of July without me sounding like an unpatriotic monster? Here's my proposal, okay? And I think this is so very reasonable, eminently reasonable. Can we stop all the 4th of July fireworks at midnight without me sounding like an anti-American terrorist? Stop at midnight. Look, because by midnight, it's not really the 4th of July anymore, is it? Technically, it's the 5th now. Knock that shit off. My dog needs to get some sleep. Is that fair? Is that? Can we all agree on that for next July? Like, we'll all celebrate the hell out of America. We will shoot off every last firework. As, as, uh, as they once said on The Simpsons, we will celebrate the birth of our country by blowing up a small part of it on the 4th of July. But when the 5th of July comes at 12 o'clock a.m. on July 5th, Let's knock that crap off so my dog can get some sleep. Our guest this week on the podcast, so excited to talk to Lawrence Custers. This guy's cool, cool. He's the co-founder of a platform called Indie Ninja. It's an online service where artists like you can get any of the services you need to operate your music career. You can get all kinds of people to help you out with all those tasks that you need to do to run your music operation, whether it's creating artwork for your album, whether it's getting your stuff edited, whether it's advanced work for your tour, all those little tasks that you need. 
this service purports to helping you do it. And so we're going to talk to Lawrence about Indie Ninja, and we're also going to get some advice from him on what tasks on just just generally what tasks artists should be delegating and what tasks artists can do on our on their own because I know this is a big issue for all of you guys as indie artists without a doubt when you're running your own career you're often going to find out pretty quickly as, as once you start achieving any modicum of career success you're going to find out that there's just too many damn levers for you to pull on your own it's hard for you to be the talent, but also be the manager and also be the person who makes the artwork for your album and also be the person who prepares your tours and also is the person who does your scheduling and does your marketing and does your social media. And there's, there's so many different things you have to do. And so at some point, you have to start making some decisions about what stuff I can do myself and what stuff can I delegate to others. Because maybe there are people who can do it better than me, or maybe my time is just too valuable to be doing those tasks. And we're going to bring in Lawrence Custers, because in addition to talking about his platform ending Ninja, we're just going to get some advice from him on how do you make those delegation decisions? When is the time right to make those choices of when can I start outsourcing things in my music career? He's going to talk to us all about that coming up a little later in the show. Very excited for that. But first, let's do some housekeeping. Let's do some news, and then we'll bring him in. You know the drill, guys. We don't just bring the guest in right away. I make you earn it a bit. We talk a little bit about what's going on in the industry. I do some housekeeping. Then we bring in Lawrence Custers. He talks about his awesome platform. We all go home happy in 30 minutes. It's great. Uh, you can uh, reach out to the Break the Business podcast on uh, Twitter. We are at at BTB or at the BTB podcast. Sorry about that. That is a brand new Twitter account. It's only a few weeks old. We're still trying to build up the user base for it. So I appreciate you throwing it a follow at the BTB podcast. And if you also are following stuff, if you're in the following stuff mood, I would love it very much if you followed me on Twitter at Ryan, K-A-I-R. That's my first name and the first four letters of my last name. You can email the Break the Business podcast. So if you're listening to this show and there's a topic that you'd like for me to discuss, if there's a question about your music career you'd want us to answer on the show or have as something we can talk about on the show, you can email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. I read as many emails as I can personally. If you write me, I'm most likely going to write you back. Emailing and reading emails is one of those things that I still have not delegated to somebody else because I like to hear from you guys. I love to keep that conversation going. So if you write me, I'll write you back. So uh, breakthebusiness at gmail.com. And if you're loving what we do on this podcast, I would love it very, very, very much if you threw us some nice ratings on iTunes soundcloud google play stitcher those are some of the places where you can find this podcast throw us some rates throw us some nice reviews throw us some subscriptions help us move this podcast forward because we're having so much fun doing it and we want to grow that audience out we're also at facebook.com slash break the business if you want to throw us a like there and hey i got this book i wrote it it's about how to you know achieve amazing success in the music industry and uh, it's in paperback it's in ebook it's in audiobook you can find it all at amazon.com hey ryan what's the title of that book did you make it something really complicated and we have to memorize a bunch of different titles no the title of that book is break the business See, i keep things very simple for you guys break the business declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry again it's on amazon paperback ebook audiobook it's a pretty decent book, if I would say so myself. I think it'll help you move your career forward as an indie artist, so uh, check that out. All right, that's enough of that housekeeping goodness. Uh, I want to talk about one piece of news this week that I thought was really interesting in terms of what's been going on in the industry and the way the winds are changing, um, and particularly what's going on with some of these big music players, and really, really resonates with you indie artists. So an interesting article popped up earlier this month 
Uh, it was called Breg Pucciato of Dillinger Escape Plan on Going His Own Way. The article is kind of intriguing. It's a nice account of why this acclaimed artist decided to go independent. And, you know, I love reading those articles. I love reading the why artists are giving up on record labels and wanting to go their own way. That's my favorite kind of article, frankly. But that being said, there's nothing about this article that's particularly mind-blowing. A lot of the stuff that's discussed in that article is stuff we've covered before. It's still a good read, but it's all stuff we've covered before. It echoes a lot of the themes of why it's important for artists to keep control over their careers and stay independent. A couple quotes that I thought were interesting. Uh, Pucciato writes in the article... It seemed to me that we would be giving more than we were gaining in the trade-off with labels, that trade-off being our masters and our name and individuality in exchange for their upfront money and services, and possibly some built-in audience. He also noted it wasn't just about not signing to a label. It was about doing all the same things that they would do or more or different things without them. You know, this is a, it's a cool article. This is somebody who's realized that what you get from working with a label you know, that maybe a little bit of that advance money, maybe getting somebody else to do some of those services for you costs way too much because you lose your copyrights, which is the most valuable property you have as an indie artist. You lose those really, really precious masters. You lose control over your destiny. You lose your individuality. You lose control. You lose the opportunity to be the king of your own mountain in an industry where it's more easier and more valuable than ever to stay independent. It's just not a worthy trade, and this article recognizes that. Oh, no, another piece in the article that I found kind of cool. Pucciato writes, I could no longer separate the release process, the design process, the team-building process, the financial process, even the manufacturing process, from the creative process. It began to all feel like one thought, one organism, one motion. Everything I used to see as help, I suddenly saw as unnecessary at best and a liability at worst. Woo, powerful. I got to fan myself there. What, what the author here, Greg, is acknowledging is another valuable aspect of maintaining independence as an artist. When you delegate things to a label, when you give marketing to a label, when you give your destiny to a label and you're giving all those activities to a label that seem like they're not music activities, what you're ignoring is the fact that those activities are all a part of the music experience. They need to be brought together. You need to keep control over all these things because you want to have a unified message that you control. It needs to sound authentic in this new music industry. Authenticity is more important than ever. I mean, what, what fascinates me most about today's audience is they have really strong bullshit detectors. Today's music audiences more than ever know when they're not getting an authentic message. They know when they're getting something packaged by a corporate suit. And on the flip side of that, they know when they're getting something that's truly authentic, that's really coming from the artist. And, ooh, they love that stuff. They pay for that stuff. They follow that stuff into the gates of hell. They love that kind of stuff. So something to consider. You want to be able to have control over all the aspects of your career, not delegate that to a label so you can keep that authenticity. All that being said, if you've listened to this podcast, if you've read the Break the Business book, none of these concepts are new to you. These are all themes that we discuss a lot around here. So you might be asking, Ryan, why are you talking about this article this week? Why are you talking about these concepts if they're nothing new? Well, here's why. Because what makes this article interesting to me is not the content of the article, although I do love the content of the article because you know me about record labels, not a fan. But what really intrigues me about this article is not its content, but where the article came out. 
because that's interesting. This article didn't come out in Banzoogle. It didn't come out in DIY Musician Blog. It didn't come out in one of those publications that you'd expect an, an article like this promoting indie artists and bashing labels to come out in. It didn't come out in any of those kind of publications. It came out in Spotify for Artists. Spotify released this article. That is a big deal. We've spoken recently on this show about how the relationship between Spotify and the major record labels is changing, and this is having huge implications on the music industry. For years, Spotify and the labels, they were on the same page. They were teammates. They were copacetic. The major labels owned substantial portions of Spotify, and so it seemed like their interests were aligned because Spotify were owned them, quite literally. And, and the labels, for the most part, still do own pieces of Spotify, but what we have seen lately are some news stories suggesting that things perhaps are not as copacetic between these two groups as they used to be. There have been some situations, there have been some issues recently where Spotify and the labels are not quite on the same wavelength anymore. Last year, Spotify and the labels had a contentious negotiation over, over rights. And back on episodes 135 and 136 of this podcast, we talked about how Spotify was actually offering direct licensing to artists to keep them from signing the label. Spotify was actually offering artists direct licensing deals. You know, license your music to us directly, which would mean that you can't sign with a label because you've already given your rights directly to Spotify. But we are encouraging you to do that. In some cases, we're even offering you advances to do that. And if Spotify and labels were truly friends, they would never promote a deal like that to artists. And now... This past week, Spotify posted an article on its own artist resources page talking about the advantages of staying independent, saying why being independent might be better than being signed to a label. Whoa! I don't know how else you can slice this, folks. Spotify is declaring war on the major labels. And let's not be melodramatic. I mean, it's a quiet war. It's a gradual war, to be sure, but a war nonetheless. Spotify is realizing that the music industry would be a better one for them if the labels were not there to act as the middlemen. If instead, artists could deal with Spotify directly, which would lead to more money being made for both sides because now you don't have that group in the middle that's skimming off the top. And now they're showing this realization. They're making it very clear that they realize this by offering these direct licensing deals, and posting articles telling artists in no uncertain terms, in black and white, stay independent. Here's an article from a prominent musician telling you why this is a good idea. And this kind of approach would have been unthinkable for Spotify to do a few years ago, but here we are. The balance of power is shifting in the music industry. Make no mistake. And it, it, it could be a shift that's better for music for, as a whole and much better for indie musicians like you. This is a good thing. This is a, a good shift. The more that we can get rid of the middlemen in music industry, the more that we can just create a direct line between artist and consumer, the more great art we get, the more money that artists can make. So this is a welcome development in the music industry, and it's something you want to follow. Keep an eye on Spotify. See if it's going to continue to make shots across the bow at major labels 
and see how the labels respond, because it's got to be utterly fascinating. All right, Lawrence Custer's up next. Keep listening to the Break the Business podcast. Welcome back, everybody. He is a New York-based music industry executive and startup technologist with over two decades of experience in global label operations, music publishing, and artist management. His latest venture is Indie Ninja, an online marketplace where artists can buy and sell services to run their music careers. You can check it out at www.indie.ninja. Ladies and gentlemen, Lawrence Custers is on the Break the Business podcast. Hello, Lawrence. Thank you for being on. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that intro, by the way. That was awesome. Oh, uh, it's certainly well-deserving considering the resume of the person I'm talking to right now. And I'm particularly excited to talk to you because you and I, we're going to have a conversation about something that is always a big issue for indie artists. This, you know, we, we often call indie artists DIY artists, this idea that you're doing it yourself and really you're not doing it yourself. There are a lot of different things going on and you can't do everything on your own. You have to delegate, you have to build your team. And Mm -hmm. so let me ask you this kind of question to start things off. When artists go independent and they try to run their own music careers, they quickly find out that there's a lot of levers they have to pull, and some of them they know how to do pretty easily, but some of them can be tricky. In your experience, what job outside of actually creating and performing music do artists tend to find the most difficult and time-consuming? Oh, it's 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 a very it's a variation of different things, right? I mean, first and foremost, I want to say that obviously the DIY um, you know notion is is a mindset, right? It doesn't mean that you have to do everything literally by yourself, but it's definitely a, a notion. Um, but I think that in today's in today's um, digital world, um, I think there's a lot of new di- means of of promoting uh, a release or an artist. So digital playlists are, are, are in play. You have, you know, influencers, you have people who, who take care of social media pages and that kind of stuff. And I think that, um, the part of imagery design work is, is important. And the live aspect of it, you said that, you know, besides life, but the, besides, you know, the performance on stage, which is obviously completely in the hands of the artist himself, there's so many different wheels spinning in the back of that. Um, those are all these tedious jobs that behind the scenes are that are making these uh, these artists careers right absolutely and it's interesting that you some of the examples you brought up there because what i think it shows is that as the industry continues to evolve and it's evolving faster and faster every day the jobs that emerge that you need to get done change you know you mentioned you know, playlist curation and submitting to playlists. And five years ago, that wouldn't have been a thing, but now it's a very, very big thing. And uh, it's, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's, sorry to cut you off. It's, it's, it's a, it's a uh, evolution of a certain position that was always, always there, right? We always had radio pluckers, right? We always have people that went to radio stations, right? That the, the, you know, the airplay was important. The form of airplay has just changed. You know, we don't, we don't, focus on radio now we focus on playlists and we focus on on the digital side of things and this is where these new versions of older type jobs have have started to emerge well but do you think that the skill sets are similar like would you know would the kind of person you'd reach out to plug in for the radio is that going to be the same kind of person that uh tries to get you on a spotify playlist how does that differ that's interesting um god that's a good question i think that the um 
the you know the old school so to say pluggers definitely you know uh, changed their model to adapt to the to the new airplay so to say uh, uh, so I think that you know th- those type of people also you know changed their wage of uh, their ways of, of, of being part of the digital age but I'm very I'm very certain that there are uh, you know, younger generation people uh, and yo- younger executives in in the music industry who never who never plugged a regular regular radio and just started out with digital radio, right? Playlists and that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, when I think about what you're talking about there, the importance of delegating and building building your team, I find that there's a tricky balance that artists have to obtain. On one hand. You want to be able to free up as much time as possible on music creation and delegate the things that you're not good at. But on the other hand, money is a finite resource. And you right. know, you, and so when it comes to you know, any particular activity that an artist needs to get done for their music career, how does an artist, in your view, achieve that balance? What factors should an artist consider when deciding, I'm going to do this activity myself versus I'm going to outsource it to somebody else? Oh, that's, I mean... There are so many. There are so many answers to that question, and, and not one wrong or right one specifically, right? I think that if you look at an artist's career, and let's 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 focus on an artist that is, you know, is willing to take the challenge on to do most of the stuff, uh, him or herself, right? Um, I think that the first position that you need to have, which is always a position that you need to have, is some sort of a confidant. Right. Yeah. Some sort of a confidant with a little bit of experience, let's say an artist manager or somebody who was, who was involved in business. So you can look at these first contracts. You can look at these first setup structures and and from there on start building the team a little bit. Right. I think a core a core knowledge of some of the uh, business things that you need to know that you cannot avoid um, have to be there. Registration, licensing, distribution deals, whatever they may be, physically or digital, manufacturing. The, all these things are based on Rolodexes and connections. And this is also one of the things that kind of fired up uh, the idea of Indie Ninja is that in today's uh, you know new version of the music industry, we have uh, one part of the old school model covered or somewhat covered at least with crowdfunding indiegogo pledge music so we can raise funds to um initiate you know uh, uh, an album release or whatever you want to do uh but the second part which is always has always been a big uh, factor of signing to the right label was that rolodex those right connections right and that rolodex is something which is has always been on that desk of, of the of the uh, executive or on uh, you know uh, within that within that label group etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's that thing it's that digital rolodex that we are trying to bling on top of the finance part right so i kind of veered off of what you were saying but those connection things are i think crucial so if you can if you can rely on a team member or a first team member that has those connection has the guidance, has the business development um, ideas that you need to you need to um, you need to kind of offset to begin. I think that's a crucial first step. Uh, you start with that right hand man or woman, and then you work from there. And <laughs> Lawrence, like any slick entrepreneur, you did a pretty snazzy job of bringing it back to Indie Ninja. I love it. 
Um, let's talk about this because I was intrigued by your company ever since I read about it in Digital Music News. This is an online marketplace where artists can, you know, buy and sell services and they need for their music career. It is that online Rolodex where you can find all the people you need to get all the tasks done for your right. creative operation. Uh, you want to tell the folks a little bit about how it works? Um, so once again, like I, like I brought up earlier, so we wanted to create a, a platform where we can offer um, independent artists, um, managers, labels, and even some of the majors um, a, a, a place where they can go hire specific freelancers, and we call them ninjas, into all these various uh, positions in the in the industry. If it's graphic design, it's live, it's uh, business development, whatever you need, even the playlist thing, right? So you 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 create a gig, and it's everything is driv- uh, um, uh, gig driven, right? So we took it we took it apart and built it specifically from that part, and we call those people the the indies that part of the equation, right? Um, uh, I'm gonna say uh, band based in New York, right? And they need a sound guy in Berlin. Now, in the normal world, that's not an easy connection to uh, to obtain, right? Unless you have, like I said earlier, your right-hand man who has those connections. Uh, but you need a sound guy in Berlin. That sound guy needs to be specialized in Danish death metal, right? <laughs> and uh, we, we're going to pay this, this person $100, right? So those three factors, sound guy, location Berlin, the budget – and some of these specifications, in this case, the Danish death metal, are the, the, are the um, ingredients that drive our gigs. So it's driven from the indie side. They create that gig at that moment in time. The professionals, the freelancers, the ninjas in the vicinity of Berlin who are sound men and women within that genre or within the rock genre generally can apply for these gigs. The application process is very simple. Indies will go through the three, four, five people that they uh, that applied for the gig. They'll select one. Boom. We put the payment in escrow. At that moment in time, we now are also guaranteeing that the freelancer in Berlin knows that he or she is going to get paid, right? Because you're dealing with people from New York that you've never met. And as soon as that Saturday night is over, the gig is completed. The uh, sound guy or, or, or girl com- confirms that the gig is completed and the payments go through. Well, that's t- as simple as it is and, and simple yet really really useful i gotta tell you i i depend on platforms like these to do everything i do i don't know how i would have like done all the operations i have in my life you know i don't know how i would run this podcast you know years ago before these kind of platforms emerged because i outsource a lot of this stuff or else i wouldn't right. have time to do it all but you know, the, the, you know, we have platforms that exist out there that do similar type stuff, Upwork, TaskRabbit, things like that. Exactly. What, exactly. what differentiates Indie Ninja? What what makes it something that artists go, I want to go with that platform specifically instead of one of the more general ones? But the, the, the Because this was created, we are not a tech company that was created by tech people. This company, this platform uh, was created by music people. Right, uh, I have a background in label, music publishing, and artist management. My my co-founder Bill Wilson uh, ran an independent label out of New York for years. Has done uh, has worked for Atlantic. Uh, work now now works for Music Biz. So we are people that are from the music industry, right? So we wanted to build our solution from our perspective. 
from what I know as an artist manager or from what we know as running an independent label. So the way it's created, it's specifically for that purpose, right? Um, and I'm, of course, you can get, you know, you can get a, uh, a mastering guy uh, somewhere in, in, uh, in Russia or Bangladesh for $10 through a, a, a platform like Fiverr, right? But it's not vetted. It's, and we, we try and, and, and make that a, a big point. You know, it's vetted music professionals and platform ran, ran by, uh, ran and created by music uh, veterans, basically. So, so it's specifically for music. Your, so your platform not only caters to this particular group, obviously, but it sounds like you guys do some amount of curation over these ninjas. Yes. Yeah, so the on the ninja side, the freelance side. Um, so basically, what you asked me this earlier when we did our intro. The 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 the, uh, the 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 website is now in public beta. What that means is that anybody can sign up. You submit to get a code. We clear it, we give you a code, you create your profile. On the ninja side and the freelance side, it's a little bit more tedious. Uh, everybody that wants to become a freelancer on the platform gets uh, screened very, uh, very carefully. We go through their re resumes, we, uh, we, looked at their, we look at their LinkedIn profiles, we see what they have done because besides the fact, like I told earlier, that we are guaranteeing a payment for that freelancer by using our escrow system, we also want to make sure, and this is our most important part, is that for all the indies using the platform that they can rely on a vetted and curated uh, network of ninjas, right? These are all professionals with very good, uh, very, very good experience and, 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 and a great clientele. Well, that's certainly worth its weight in gold because, um, you know, it's not, nice to know that there's a an organization out there that's, you know, sort of putting themselves behind the people that are on their platform. So you were saying that the platform Indie Ninjas in public beta um, for both the ninjas as well as the indies. Uh, yeah. How can these groups, uh, you know, get an invitation? Do they just go to the website? They go to the website. There is a um, request uh, access code on, on the uh, on the uh, landing page. Just fill out your name, uh, give us as, as much information with URLs, etc. While you do so, it gets you know gets submitted to the team. We run through the creation uh, curation of everything, and then we uh, notify um, the approval and send you a code. Awesome. And I think I got this. It's a, the website's indie.ninja. So first of all, congrats on getting the ninja top level domain. That's always fabulous. I know. Right? It's so cool. <laughs> Everybody's like, well, what is it? Dot com? Dot no, no, it's dot ninja. <laughs> well, damn right. It's dot ninja. That's so like if you guys weren't dot ninja, frankly, I wouldn't trust you as much. Like that's <laughs> like, you you know, it's something you want to be a part of when it's dot ninja. That's right, awesome. Right. Um, thank you so much, uh, Lawrence, for lending us your expertise for this interview, um, helping us work through what is always a difficult issue for artists, this idea of trying to outsource stuff. Before we let you go, and we do would very much love to have you on again real soon, but do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? I mean, there's there's a whole bunch. I can probably go on for 15 minutes. All right, um, I'll just go get but, a beer and uh, yeah, you know, right. But I'll I come think back. I, I, from from a, from a, from an artist manager pr uh, perspective, and also what I've seen, uh, you know, after running my label for many many years, you know, surround yourself with a couple of good people, right? One or two um, trustees on in the organization. Try and learn as much about the business side of things 
while doing the performance side of things. Everything that you know as far as contracts or royalties and all these tedious little things that are part of the music industry when being a signed artist uh, or publishing, registration, collecting, you know, neighboring rights and foreign and, 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 and foreign publishing income. All these things are so crucial to an artist to know so you can rely on the partners that you work with, right? And rest assured that you are in good hands because you know what's going on. I think that every relationship within the music industry uh, that ever soured was based on the fact that people really weren't aware of what they were supposed to expect, right? So I think that it's, it's a very technical answer, but I think that that's a, a lesson that I would like to, that I actually have been trying to and will continue to and, and pass along here as well. Learn as much of the business as you possibly can so you can stay ahead of the curve. Love it. Uh, nice dismount there at the end. That was that was a fabulous ending, much like the ending of your website, Dot Ninja. Also fabulous. Uh, Lawrence <laughs> Custers, everybody, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me.